Amen. Thank you, team, for leading us and calling us to worship together. Good morning, church and friends and guests. The Lord be with you. We rise this morning to greet our God and find together wonderfully that God is already here. True confessions. How many of you had to hit the snooze button this morning? How many of you have been up for hours? Yeah, very good. In whatever condition you come to worship this morning, I offer to you these greetings, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Hear these words as our call to worship this morning from Psalm 95, where it says this, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all other gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. So today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Again, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Friends, let's stand together and worship. The King of love, my shepherd is. Whose goodness faileth never I nothing like if I am his And he is mine forever And he is mine forever Where streams of living water flow Still be
use the words on the screen and pray together. Eternal and merciful God, you have loved us with a love beyond our understanding, and you have led us along right paths for your namesake. Yet we have strayed from your way and followed other voices. We have sinned against you in our thoughts, words, and actions. As we remember the generous gift of your grace, symbolized in baptism. O oh God, we praise you and give you thanks that you forgive us yet again. Grant us now, we pray, the grace to die daily to sin and to rise daily to new life in Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit and in whose strong name we pray, amen. Hear the good news. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone, the new life has begun. Know that in Jesus, God embraces you, forgives you, and strengthens you to live a renewed life. Friends, let's continue in worship singing together.
Brothers and sisters in Christ, God has reconciled us to God's self and given us the ministry and message of reconciliation. The peace of Christ be with you. I invite you, as you are comfortable, to share a sign of that peace with your neighbor. Good morning, fellowship. The Lord be with you. My name is Jess Mix, and I'm the minister of worship here at Fellowship Reformed Church, where together it's our shared mission to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. Part of the way that we fulfill that mission statement in being an accepting community that grows together is by praying for one another. So we have care concerns on the backside of our bulletin. Um, I invite you to notice those and to pray for others in our community throughout the week. There is one care concern that did not make it um, into the printing of the bulletin. So we wanted to just let you know that Mike McCarty is having um, rotator cuff surgery uh, on this Thursday. So pray for him and for his wife, Betty, as they go through that. And there's an extensive healing process. So both for the surgery and the healing process, let's keep them in our prayers. Um, this 
uh, not this Wednesday, sorry, the following Wednesday, we are having our annual Fall Fest and Chili Cook-Off here Wednesday night, 545. We've normally had dinner and activities afterwards, like for different age groups. This time it's an all-in Chili Cook-Off, activities for all. There's going to be a Critter Barn, so the cr Critter Barn is coming, so there's going to be animals to pet. Um, that'll be exciting. Uh, so we welcome you to join us for that. And if you want to bring a chili for the chili cook-off, there's a sign-up link. So check out your bulletin for more details. Check the online, um, check the website for different events. You may have noticed, those of you who are worshiping with us in person, that when you came in, there's these letters out on the tables and some maps. Uh, if you don't already know, our congregation, our community here is kind of grouped into parishes by geographical location, and each parish has an elder and a deacon. So it's a way of kind of having a community within a community that cares for one another. We just want um, to be able to help connect you to your parish. If you're not already, there's ways to put pins on the map out there and also meet who your elder or deacon is. So another way that we're seeking to care for one another. Uh, this evening, we are having a special Taze service that might be an unfamiliar term to you. No big deal. It um, is actually just a service that is filled with art, music, scripture, and kind of a slower pace. Um, really beautiful music that has some instrumentation that's kind of repetitive with the lyrics. So you get to sit and soak with what God is doing in your heart. We're going to be um, practicing some different spiritual disciplines and helping you engage in those, inviting you into that. Um, so it's just our goal in, in teaching some of those things that throughout the week we can continue to be transformed. It's the way that we plan our worship services here this um, every Sunday is to be transformative and to have different disciplines in that. Um, one of the things we mention every week, and prior to COVID, we were passing a plate, so we were focusing in on it, but we still want to bring before that giving as an act of worship. It is really out of a place that says we are made in the image of God. God is a generous, giving God, and so we are generous people in response to who God has made us to be, and we continue by giving, by practicing that, we are formed into more generous people and to be more like Christ. And so um, our actually our um, generosity team met recently and had a verse that they kind of talked about that I wanted to share with you this morning. It's from 2 Corinthians 8, 8 and 9, and it's from the message. So as you hear these words, just think of this as kind of the posture of what we hope our giving is like here at Fellowship. It says, I'm not trying to order you around against your will, but by bringing in the Macedonians' enthusiasm as a stimulus to your love, I am hoping to bring the best out of you. You are familiar with the generosity of our master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor and we became rich. So we pray that that's our posture as we give not only our time and our words to build one another up, but also our financial resources. You can give online. There's um, bulls in the back if you'd like to give that way. At this time, I will invite our kids three years through fifth grade to be dismissed to their Sunday school. And then as we continue to worship, this next song is really our prayer for illumination that God would open our hearts um, and speak to us as we prepare to hear God's word preached. Let's sing together.
As I flick on my microphone, I am reminded that this Sunday is actually a special Sunday for someone in the room today. You didn't know this, but we have a new tech team director back there, Joel Bosma. Come on. Uh, he has taken on the role, uh, and we are grateful for it. Uh, and then we also have a new uh, worship ensemble person, uh, Christy Garcia, who's been the interim for a while, and she is just taking on the formal role. We are so grateful uh, for all the people that helped to make uh, worship happen uh, at Fellowship Church. And if it, my microphone breaks or is uh, not working, we just blame Joel. Just kidding, Joel. <laughs> Let's pray together. God, thank you uh, that you are present in this space and that your breath uh, fills our lungs and uh, is the inspiration for your word. So we pray now that as we focus our attention on your word, that uh, it might transform our lives, that we might uh, be reminded of who you are and what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our reading this morning comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 24, and I had it printed so I could read it even more awesome, but I'll just read it from here. Uh, Joshua 24, we're going to read the verse 1 through 28. It's a long chunk, uh, so if you would like to, follow along in your uh, sword or uh, on your phone. Uh, It's on page 187 and 188 in the ones in your uh, chairs. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors Terah and his sons Abraham and Nahor lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave Esau the hill country of Sire to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in their midst, in its midst. And afterwards I brought you out. When I brought your ancestors out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your ancestors with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. When they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them, and your eyes saw what I did to Egypt. Afterwards, you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I handed them over to you and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then King Balak, son of Zippor of Moab, sent out to fight against Israel. He sent and invited Balaam, son of Behor, to curse you, but I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, he blessed you, so I rescued you out of his hand. When you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, the citizens of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Rockfordites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I handed them over to you. I sent Hornet ahead of you, which drove out before you two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and towns that you had not built. And you live in them, and eat the fruit of the vineyards and olive yards, that you did not plant. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. 
Now, if you're unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us out and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did these great signs in our sight. He protected us all along the way that we went and among all the peoples with whom we had passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in this land. Therefore, we will serve the Lord for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, well, your witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Joshua said again, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made statues and ordinances for them at Shechem. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak in the sanctuary of the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, See, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. There it shall be a witness against you if you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away to their inherited lands. This is the word of the Lord. What helps you remember Maybe you're like me and you find yourself forgetting more and more things on occasion and you need a lot of help in that department. Or maybe you can say somewhat seriously and also maybe a little bit jokingly that Alexa or Siri or Google help you remember. Still others might remember the good old days when you carried around your Franklin Covey planner so you wouldn't forget anything. Or maybe post-it notes on your steering wheel or maybe even the Keep app or Monday.com app that you have on your phone today helps you remember your task list. Some might even say that it's your spouse or your kids that help you remember and without them you might forget to eat. You're so forgetful. What helps you remember? not so much what we do and when we do it. I'm curious more this morning about what helps you remember who you are and to whose you belong. Not this past week, but the week before, I had the privilege of serving in three different funerals. Two weeks ago, a family called up Dykstra Funeral Home and said, hey, we need a pastor to serve at our funeral. Uh, we want it to be a Christian uh, service, but we don't, we're not a part of a church. And so I looked ahead at my calendar. I'm like, yeah, I can do a funeral on that Monday. And then uh, a couple days later, I found myself back at the funeral home as our dear sister, Mary Osink, had passed away, and we planned the funeral for that same week on Wednesday. 
And then at the funeral for Mary on Wednesday, the funeral home came to me and said, hey, Bill Knowles passed away last night and the family wants to do the funeral on Friday. Three funerals in one week. It was crazy. And my gracious colleagues were like, hey, how are you doing? How are you holding up after all that? I was kind of torn, to be honest. There was a part of me that was like, oh, that was a heavy week, walking alongside of people uh, as they remembered folks that they loved and cared about that had gone on to glory and that they would never see again uh, on this side. And that was hard. But another part of me after a funeral is somewhat inspired as well. Because I think funerals, you kind of get at the real basic and most important things in life. You remember the, the great story of salvation, of God's work in Jesus Christ, and you remember the most basic truths. And not only that, but you also remember the best of people. And it's a great reminder of what's most important in life. It's rare that a eulogy includes accolades or, or, or awards given or, or, or tenures or whatever, all the fancy stuff of this earth, but it's really usually shared what makes this person loving and caring and why you loved and cared for this person. A funeral is a great reminder of what's most important in life. The covenant renewal ceremony that we have in Joshua 24 is not a funeral by any stretch of the imagination, but it serves a similar purpose. It reminds the Israelites of who they are, to whose they belong, and what's most important in life. What helps you remember who you are? I think this passage gives us three clues, at least three ways, there's many more, that the Israelites are, are reminded of who God is and how God has acted in their life and might even be helpful for us as we remember who we are in the places that we find ourselves, in the words that we share, and in the people we do life with. First, the place. In the opening verse, we read that this ceremony of sorts, uh, Joshua gathers all the people at Shechem. Shechem, do you remember that word? That's a goofy name for a place and not one that we're super familiar with, but you might remember from a couple weeks ago when uh, we were talking about Abraham that he ended up at Shechem. Yeah, after God made a promise to Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars and that they would be a blessing to all of the nations, and he called Abraham to leave his home country, and where does he go? To Shechem. Shechem. And there at Shechem, God promises to Abraham that these descendants would inherit the promised land. And who's now back at Shechem? The very descendants of Abraham who had inherited the land. Joshua pulls them out of the promised land and takes them to Shechem. The place of the ceremony, the place where the ceremony takes place is a fulfillment of God's action in the lives of the Israelites, in the lives of their ancestors. Which is to say that place matters. Where we are matters. What places remind you of who you are? A childhood home that you can drive past that reminds you of parents or a parent that loved you and cared for you who walked alongside of you and is a big part of who you are today. A college campus or the hall of a high school that remind you of the people that God has placed in your life that have shaped and matured who you are today. Or maybe a steeple of a church or a tree at a particular park that remind you of God's faithfulness in your life and in the lives of those who have gone before you. Place matters. 
And Shechem reminded the people of God's promises that they would inherit. Maybe when we find ourselves in a tough place, it's time to take a trip to our Shechem's, to the places where we meet God. There was an elder here uh, some time ago that often uh, would be a person of prayer, and they would often pray with the folks that are leading worship before uh, the service begins uh, under a cross, under this cross. Uh, It was a significant cross for them. They remember it in the former sanctuary that that the cross came from. And on occasion, I find this person on a Tuesday morning when not many people in this room is pitch black, or not pitch black, but very dark, I'll notice that this person will find themselves just standing there all by them lonesome in a position of prayer, offering whatever they're offering to God. Place matters. And for the people of God, the place of Shechem was a place of significance. It reminded them of God's faithfulness. But it's also in the rehearsal of God's acts, the story of God, the word as they had it that reminded them of who they were. Verses 2 through 13 in our passage are like the cliff notes of the Torah. Well, I might be dating myself a little bit, and actually the sparknotes.com of Genesis through the book of Joshua, the first six books of the Bible. If you want a summary of the whole book, all the books, here you find it in 11 verses in Joshua chapter 24. They read like a litany of God's acts in the, in the history of the Israelites, how from the union of Abraham and Sarah, many descendants would come, how in the midst of their slavery, God would send Moses and plague the, people of, the leaders of Egypt and free them from their bondage, how from the wilderness, God would make a way for them, yes, through the Red Sea, but ultimately into the promised land where they could settle down as God's people, how though they had nothing They found themselves living in houses they didn't build off of farms that they did not plant. The content is great, but the poetry of it is even better. Did you notice the repetition over and over and over again? God, speaking through Moses, says, I verb, mad gab style, pick your verb. It doesn't matter. There are plenty of them. I took I gave, I assigned, I sent, I afflicted, I brought, I delivered you, God says. 18 times in 10 verses, the action of God is emphasizes. The ceremony was emphatic in its declaration. The life of the Israelites was a testimony to God's faithfulness, not just to them, but to those who had gone before them. They were a product of God's faithful acts in the past, and their identity was intrinsically related to those acts in the lives of their ancestors. And how much more for us? How much more for us who have experienced God's revelation not just in the life of the Israelites, but in the person of Jesus Christ, who was sent to this world for us and for our salvation, who took on flesh for our sake? How much more for us How do you remember your identity as Christ's own? How do you remember that because of Christ's acts, we have been grafted into the family of God? We need a lot of reminders of that these days, don't we? It's hard to live as Christ's own. It seems to me that there's many competing stories, many competing words that are trying to define who we are today. Advertisers are trying to trick us to believe that we are what we buy. 
classmates are tempting us to believe that we are what we score on our test or how we rank in the classroom we find ourselves. Teammates are trying to convince us that we are what we do, how we perform on the field or on the court. Social media is trying to trick us to think that our importance is based on how many likes we have or affluence that lulls our senses and tricks us to believe that we are what we have and that we are the masters of our own domain or mental illness that plagues us and says that we're not enough and that maybe we never will be enough or parents, peers, or loved ones who hurt us with words that cut us to our knees. How do we remember who we are based on what Jesus Christ has done for us? Certainly, we can do that by reminding ourselves through the daily reading of Scripture or maybe through the journal that we have or we keep a story of God's faithfulness to us in the past. Maybe we memorize words or passages that are meaningful reminders to us of what God has done for us or maybe even reading a book that helps us better understand who God is and what God has done in our lives. Yes to all of those. But maybe the most clear embodiment of the word that is pronounced on us is not actually in words, but it's embodied here at this font. Because it's here at this font and in this water that we are reminded of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. It's here that we're reminded of the promises of God for us and for the baby that, or the child or the adult that has been baptized. It is here that we are reminded that it was for you that Jesus Christ came into this world. It was for you that he lived. It was for you that he died. And it was for you that he rose again. All this before you even knew anything of it. God, we love because Christ first loved us. It's the promise of our baptism that we are grafted into God's family, not by anything we have done, but because of God's gracious acts in Jesus Christ. If you have never been baptized and are curious about what this means, we do have a baptism uh, in a couple weeks, and you can go take part in the class and learn about what this promise that God has made for you means and how you might want to receive that great promise. It's also why we keep this font in this room, maybe not up front every week, but usually over there, as a physical reminder of the promises of God in our baptism. The covenant renewal ceremony in Joshua chapter 24 reminds the people of who they are based on the place it occurs, but also in the words that they remembered uh, and God's actions in their lives. But also the covenant that the people make together and to one another. If you're like me in reading this passage, maybe for the first time this week or being reminded of it again this week, there is a verse in it that sticks out brighter than any other verse. It's a verse that is like a big block yellow M in the middle of a green field. You cannot miss it. If you've been wondering, Nate, how can you preach this long without even mentioning this verse? Well, here is your shining moment because verse 15 is the verse that we all know so well. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, right? I mean, it is everywhere. That might be a slight exaggeration, but only a slight one because I have found it literally everywhere. It's printed anywhere you can think of. 
I mean, we have poster board pictures that we can hang in our wall, right, Bob? Yeah, like that one. Uh, and if you don't want to put it on the inside, you can put it on the outside with a wood board that you can put in your patio or somewhere like that. And if you don't want to put it on the wall, how about on your door? Because we can even get a, a, a knocker for your door and uh, in a bronze medallion form. And if not on your door, how about on your doormat? I mean, you can find it in the rug for you. And if you don't want it on the outside, but you want to be reminded of it in the inside, you can just wrap yourself in a quilt with the verse pet on it. And in case that wasn't enough, you can even find it on a chocolate cake to be consumed. <laughs> to name just a few of the places that this verse has been printed. Maybe you have one printed somewhere in your own home, like the one that I actually made for a friend like this one. And there's good reason for this. There's good reason for this verse's prevalence. We print things that we long to be true, words that inspire us, things we want to remember. But I think our familiarity with this uh, verse might lead us to missing the power of this whole passage. Can that verse stand alone like others on our quilts, art, or even cakes? Can it inspire faithfulness to Christ by itself? Can it declare something that is true for you and your family? Absolutely, of course, yes, it can. And its excessive familiarity might be a hurdle for us in grasping what this verse does in the context of the whole story. After Joshua takes the people to Shechem, after he rehearses the acts of God in their life, he calls them to question Will you remember God? Will you not just remember, but will you remember God and live in faithful response to God? You get to choose who's going to define your life. You get to choose who you're going to worship. Who will you serve? As for me and my household, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. Joshua's declaration, this famous verse that we know so well, though, is not the climax of the story. Joshua is simply just leading by example, saying, this is what I want to do. Now, how about you all? How about us together? And how does the congregation respond? What do the people say? Yes, we too will serve the Lord. Joshua says, are you sure about that? You realize what you're saying right now? Do you realize what you're making a promise to Yes, we do, we do. We will serve the Lord. You know the consequences if you mess up, right? Joshua asks, are you sure you want to do this? Yes, we will serve the Lord. It, three times the people say it. We will serve the Lord. I imagine it kind of like a halftime speech that a coach gives. Team, are you ready for the second half? Are you ready for what, what's about to take place? Yeah, we're ready. I can't hear you. I need a little bit more enthusiasm. Are you ready? We are ready. Okay, well, one final time. Let's go and do it. We are ready. We will serve the Lord which is a long way of saying we need each other to remember who we are. The covenant we make with God, yes, is an individual response that Joshua articulates very clearly. And, and we can't make that response alone. We make it together to God and we make a covenant to one another that we're going to work together to make this covenant happen. Commentator Brent Strawn from Duke says it this way, verses 16 through 18 
deserve to be as well known as Joshua 24, 15. Perhaps even more so, because it places the obedience firmly within communal, communal ethics, not just individual personal piety. The covenant renewal ceremony in Joshua 24 helps us remember who we are as God's people and that we make this covenant necessarily with other people, together to God and to one another across the chairs. A covenant that once again is best articulated in the words that we share at a baptism. Because at a baptism, we make promises to the baby and therefore are making a promise to everyone who has ever been baptized everywhere that we're in this together. And so we say words like the ones on our screen that we're going to share in just a moment. But before we do share those words together, I want you to look at someone in the room besides me. Look at someone you're sitting next to. And remember that when you're saying these words, you're saying these words to one another. If you're willing, repeat after me as a covenant community called Fellowship Church. We promise to love, encourage, and support one another by teaching the gospel of God's love, by being an example of Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service. It's a beautiful promise that we're not just making to the babies, but that we make to one another, that we need each other, and that we're working together for the same goal. So how do you remember who you are? How do you remember this promise? The covenant renewal ceremony in Joshua 24 was a reminder to the Israelites of God's faithful acts, maybe like a funeral, reminding them of the most important things in life. But it was also an appeal, an appeal to make the promises to God and to one another like we do at baptism, which is a tangible reminder that new life, new opportunities are always possible. May the waters of our baptism purify, refresh, and sustain us for such a holy and communal task. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, in our response this morning, I invite you to stand. We're going to sing together a song that I hope is a recommitment for all of us to build our lives on mm, the love like from God that is the love that for us first, even before we knew how to love back. Let's sing together. Let's sing together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing.
have an opportunity to uh, enact, in a way, a covenant renewal ceremony of our own in the commissioning of our Kids Hope Ministry. If you aren't familiar with Kids Hope, it's a mentorship program where folks from our congregation are placed at local schools in a one-on-one relationship uh, that is blessed by the school, and that is uh, each of those relationships are matched up with a prayer partner who is praying that that ministry would be fruitful. And so this morning, we commission those folks to do the ministry that we're ultimately doing together. And so we use these formal words that Christ alone is the source of all Christian ministry throughout the ages, calling men and women to serve by the Holy Spirit. All who believe and, uh, and, and are baptized are receive a ministry to witness to Jesus as Savior and Lord and to love and serve those with whom they live and work. We are ambassadors for Christ who reconciles and makes whole. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Before we uh, bless these folks and commission them to their work, all of them couldn't be with us this morning, and so we have this short little video that introduces you to our Kids Hope Mentors for this year.
Yeah, that's cool, huh? I misspoke, though. I actually said our mentors thus far. Did you see the question marks on that board? Uh, we do have room for a few more mentors that can walk alongside of some of our students. My friend and colleague Karen Donker is our Kids Hope and Hand-to-Hand -hand Coordinator here at Fellowship Church, and she's coming up to help me uh, commission our mentors for this year. Karen, nice work so far. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. <laughs> okay, at this point, I would like to ask that um, all the mentors and prayer partners who are here this morning, would you please stand? Mentors and prayer partners, please stand. And mentors, I have a question to ask you, and your response will also be on the screen. Dear mentors, having offered yourselves in the ministry of Kids Hope USA, will you be the arms, hands, eyes, ears, and mouth of Jesus to the children at Lakewood Elementary and Makatawa Bay Middle School, offering love, encouragement, and support in Jesus' name? Yes, with God's help, I will. And we don't think that this is a lonely task. <laughs> We're in this together, uh, like we just said. So would uh, the congregation please stand and we'll make promises to do this ministry together with our mentors and prayer partners with the words on the screen. We promise to give you our prayers, support, and encouragement as you seek to be the arms, hands, eyes, ears, and mouth of Jesus to the children of Lakewood Elementary and Makatawa Bay Middle School. We will encourage you and seek ways to joyfully support this ministry in Jesus' name. Thanks be to God. And uh, Karen will pray now. Would you please bow your head and pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, you have shown us in the Bible how precious children are to you. We are honored to be called to be your hands and feet through the ministry of Kids Hope USA. As we prepare to begin a new school year, we humbly lift up all mentors, prayer partners, and students to you. Whether they are meeting each other for the first time this year, or continuing on as friends from last year. We especially pray you will empower our mentors pictured on the screen to be your ambassadors, tangible expressions of your love and grace. In your mercy, Christ, bless this ministry that more and more people may come to know your love and grace through our shared deeds and prayers. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen for these mentors and for the ministry that they are going to be doing this year. And as we go from this place, each one of us is commissioned and called to be God's people in this world. So may this song be our prayer that we would do that as one body. God creator of your
Come on. The big finish. May we be a people who remember uh, God's actions in our lives in the places we find ourselves, with the words that we uh, say, and in communion with one another. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.